Hey guys, before we get into the episode this week, I wanted to let you know that this one could be triggering. It's a really graphic one. And as always, if you or someone you know is in need of support, please visit our website, drunkcrimepod.com resources for a list of organizations that can help. Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Alex. And we really like talking about true crime. And drinking. Since it's Halloween week, I figured it would only be fitting to do a doozy of a case. This one has necrophilia, cannibalism, and even sex zombies. We're really talking about the monster of all monsters. Get ready. This is going to be good. So grab a drink, get comfy, and let's listen to Lindsay tell us about murder. Let's talk about alcohol. Uh, booze time! Because this episode needs lots of alcohol. Because <laughs> you should be medic- medicated by liquor. Yeah. When you're listening. Medicate for this one. <laughs> Medicate your feelings with alcohol. Yeah. Don't, that's, that's a bad, that's a bad thing to say, but I mean, we're adults. <laughs> Don't listen to us, but listen to us if you feel like you want to. Yeah, totally listen to us. (laughs) What do you got? What did you make? I made a maple rum hot toddy. Yeah. That's so fancy. It sounds like the rum is maple rum. No, it's literally just maple syrup. (laughs) Oh, still though. That's cool. It's just like the warm hug that I want to drink while taco while doing this one. So it's just, it's just rum, maple syrup, lemon juice, boiling water, and then I stuck two cinnamon sticks in it. That's oh, it. that's similar to mine. Same, same, but different. Mm-hmm. I did um, whiskey. Mm-hmm. I have like, I've got garbage whiskey. So I was yelling up to Joel to make a choice because I don't care about which of these garbage whiskeys I'm using. So it's whiskey, lemon juice, honey, boiling water, two yeah. cinnamon sticks, and a lemon for fun, for garnish. Perfect. Cause fancy, <laughs> but I free poured it. Cause you, you said make this one strong. Cause this is an episode. So I just was free pouring the whiskey. Like, ah, this'll be fine. I did too. I just eyeballed it. Yeah. That's probably right. And now every time I like bring my mug to my face, when it was like steaming, I'd get like rum steam, like up my nose. I was like, ah, that's it's cool. like a rum facial mm-hmm. rum facial. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Mm. This smells so good. It doesn't taste like it smells, but it smells great. And it also tastes really good. Mine's gotten better since it's like sat with the cinnamon sticks in it. Mm. Good choice today, Lindsay, on the booze. Big fan. This is a good one. All right. Who are we talking about? So this week, since it's Halloween week, I figured we would talk about the monster of all monsters. Jeffrey Dahmer himself. Oof. See, okay. So I don't, I know the name obviously, cause I mm-hmm. haven't been living under a rock, even though sometimes I try, yeah. but I don't really know anything about him. So I'm stoked that oh. you're doing this case. I feel like this is one I should know more things about. I just, you wait. Okay. Oh, good. <laughs> so this is going to be like a three part series. Cause there's a lot. And cause Halloween week. So why wouldn't we want to do a three three-parter there's a lot and so this one there's some stuff that i'm going to tell you 
that might like actually make you feel sorry for little Jeffrey Dahmer, like as a child. And you are fully allowed to feel sorry for little Jeffrey Dahmer, but I'm going to like give you a little reminder just to like stash in your brain of like <laughs> what a shitty garbage human he is. So like I when you sorry st- for Catherine Knight too, yeah. like any child who has to endure that kind of trauma, you're, I feel like you're allowed to feel sorry for. And then yeah. when they turn into a shitty adult, yeah. you no longer feel sorry for them because they're garbage and they should behave better and get some, get some help like everybody needs. Yeah. So this is the process we go through with murderers, <laughs> psychopaths. So Mr. Jeffrey Dahmer murdered in the worst way possible 17 men and boys he dismembered them there was necrophilia and cannibalism oh so just you're allowed to feel like sorry and like oh poor little jeffy but like just remember jeffy (laughs) (laughs) just keep that in the back of your mind okay he is a stone cold psychopath He's creepy. It's creepy to listen to him speak. So in West Allis, Wisconsin, to Lionel and Joyce Dahmer on May 21st, 1960, a little boy was born into this lovely world. This tiny human who grows up to be the worst fucking human in the world. His name is Jeffrey Dahmer. Easily top of the list. Yep. I mean, among the tippity top of the lists (laughs) of shitty humans. So this little baby. Yeah. Just this tiny monster. So his mom, <laughs> Joyce, was a teletype machine instructor. And which what's that, that? I also didn't know what that was at all. So it's like a typewriter combined with like an early computer. Oh, okay. Kind of situation. Okay. And his mother actually struggled like a lot with mental illness, depression. She was a little bit of a hypochondriac. Um, when Jeffrey was a baby, like she wouldn't really let anyone touch him. Like no grandparents, no one, nothing. She didn't even really touch him because of germs. Oh, she didn't? Yeah. Oh, because of germs. Yeah. I was listening to another case where a woman wouldn't let anybody touch her baby, but she was kind of suffering from some delusions. Oh, so it wasn't that type of situation. It was nobody's allowed to touch the baby because they might harm him. Oh, okay. Like this one, Jeffrey Dahmer is that one. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's sad. So babies need touch and love. I know he was pretty neglected. So she was on like over 20 medications. And from what I read, like prone to fits and would like over dramatize illnesses. So like a hypochondriac and basically just neglected Jeffrey. So he's like, not off. It's not off to like the best start. Just like as an infant. That's a success. And then his dad, Lionel, was attending school to become a research chemist and later got a job working as a chemist in a lab. And all this is just, he was working super long hours and he wasn't around a lot. So his mom was home and neglecting him Mm -hmm. in an attempt to care for him, I guess, in a twisted way. Yeah. And his dad was not around at all, really, just because he was working. Okay. Yeah. So... Like for the first four years of his life, Jeffrey was described as like a super happy little kid, which is and like energetic and happy and was just like a normal little kid. And that's like the last time that someone will use those words to describe dear old Jeff. 
the first four years. That makes sense. You can imagine little four-year-old happy kid, just oblivious to what's going on, doing his best. Yeah. Happy. And oh. so kind of like the change in him, it's like traced back to when he was four years old. So he was a pretty sick kid. He had pneumonia, was like sick a bunch. And actually out. sick or his mom just thought he was sick? This was actually sick. Okay. So he actually ended up needing surgery to correct a double hernia that he developed, which is, oh my, that's a lot for a four-year-old. Yeah. And so what makes this even more traumatizing is he wasn't like prepped properly for like what was about to happen to him for like with this surgery and like the whole situation and everything. And according to one of the books I read by John Borowski, he was just kind of like taken to the hospital for surgery and nothing was explained to him like fucking traumatized, like just poked. And then he just wakes up and has this like pain and Mm -hmm. scar. Oh no. Just like taken to the hospital, not told what's going on, like creepy doctors in like white coats and like their creepy hats, just like poking at them and figuring out what's going on. And then like, oh, and this is in the sixties too. So they probably were wearing creepy hats. Right. Like are you, I feel like you're picturing the same thing that I'm. Yeah, totally am. (laughs) Creepy doctor outfit. And and like, that's a scary place anyways, hospitals and it smells different and there's all kinds of stuff going on. It's overwhelming for a fully grown adult, much less a four-year-old who doesn't know what's going on. Exactly. Like it's scary to go into when you know fully, like what is about to happen to you, but when you just like taken there and there's nothing like that's traumatizing, that's awful. Um, so after this, he gets super withdrawn and would just kind of sit in silence doing nothing for hours like just totally changed him, which is like, it's crazy. Wow, really? Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of understandable too. Like I would be fucking traumatized if that happened to me with no explanation. For sure. Like I would not be fine. However, if you're just waiting for them to come back and poke and prod and stab and slice you again. Right. And like your parents aren't there with you. Oh yeah. So you're dealing with it on your own. Yeah. I mean, like, I still wouldn't have eaten people because of that, but like, I understand. <laughs> I was just skipping ahead. <laughs> I understand the trauma. <laughs> but like, you think about, okay, I don't know how, how bad it's going to get, but like throwback to episode two here in Catherine Knight, and you think about the trauma that she went through. Mm-hmm. She was a little bit older, but still, I guess there's like trauma affects people different in its varying levels. I don't, I don't really feel like hospital trauma is reason to eat people, like you said, but it's not. Who knows? <laughs> different, different strokes for different folks, you know. It does get worse though, because I mean, he's only four. So. No, <laughs> I must. <laughs> So his like withdrawing and not being happy and energetic, energetic anymore was made even worse by the birth of his younger brother named David, because all of a sudden his younger brother just gets all of this attention from his parents. And Jeffrey was four when his younger brother was born. Yeah. So was I, I (laughs) peed in vents to protest (laughs) my sister showing up. (laughs) Jeffrey could have chosen that route too. I mean, I don't eat people. Maybe that's what needed to happen. Mark your territory. Needed an outlet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm, I'm uncomfortable that I have something similar, like something in common with Jeffrey Dahmer. (laughs) Uh, That's funny. (laughs) Uncomfortable. (laughs) 
the family also like moved around a bunch, which is hard. I know. Yeah, like you're always sure the new is. kid. You never settled. You can't make friends. Mm-hmm. And you just quit trying at some point, I bet. Yeah. Like, I'm so glad that like when I was in, like when me and my sister started school here, my mom was like, nope, we're not moving. You will go to the same school district until you graduate. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm very thankful for that. Again, yeah. probably still wouldn't eat people if my parents moved, but like, I get it kind of yeah it's no it's it's difficult for sure Mm -hmm. that's difficult on a kid and if a kid who's already withdrawn to begin with moving around and trying to make friends like that would be difficult poor little jeffrey is just like there's no stability his parents are kind of trash towards him he's neglected Mm -hmm. his brother gets all the in and like attention freaking second siblings yeah and so at a very young age he had a love of insides of things, bones, muscles, and like just insides, insides of animals and people. And he thought it was cool, okay. which is like, it's like kids trying to liking trucks and mechanics and stuff and how yeah. things work, except for with a biological twist. I mean, if your kid's like interested in bones and like biology related stuff like your first thought as a parent is going to be like oh my god they're gonna grow up to murder and eat people like you no, kind of that's just, not where i would go like you're I'd just kind like, of oh, like they're gonna be a doctor a yeah like, Sweet. this is cool they have a science brain yeah i'm gonna be a great like yeah obligation for them they're gonna take great care of me exactly <laughs> and so that's kind of like how the thinking went with jeffrey's dad lionel because he was a scientist and was like oh for sure yes great my cool cool my kid likes science we can bond like that's yeah for sure that makes sense right and so he just thought he was like helping foster his son's passion for science biochemistry like all things cool basically like Mm -hmm. it is cool i wouldn't be super concerned if my kid well like as long as they're not taking it upon themselves to dissect things like themselves and other people and or small pets so lionel was super happy to like explain things to him he showed him how to clean and preserve animal bones using bleach um his family even had a super charming name for little jeffrey's bucket of animal bones that he collected and they called them his fiddlesticks I mean, it's still. A I honestly of feel like bucket of bones is better. His yeah. fiddlesticks. Fiddle that's sticks. so weird in so many ways. It brings to mm-hmm. mind like those little curly vegetable root things that are actually called fiddlesticks. Yeah, but that and that's not even. It was like, I really feel like I would call it a bucket of bones. Like, oh, too. that's just my kid and their bucket of bones. Because I feel like that would be kind of funny. Like it. Like yeah. that's a weird thing to like but i would support their love of science and biology for sure you would any parent would and so it'd be like kind of like low-key making fun of while supporting oh it's just my kid and their bucket of bones bones. yeah (laughs) well it gets weirder and in the interview he does with stone phillips he says that in ninth grade they did they dissect a fetal pig and he takes the thing home so he can look inside and keep the skeleton And here's actually a little clip of Jeffrey saying this in his own words, because I feel like you should hear his super creepy voice. Jeff, do you remember your your earliest 
experience and earliest interest, fascination with the inside of animals? Where that came from? Uh, in ninth grade, uh, in biology class, we had uh, the usual dissection of uh, fetal pigs. I took the remains of that home and, and kept uh, the skeleton of it. And I just started branching out uh, dogs, cats. I suppose it could have turned into a, a, a normal hobby like taxidermy, but it, it didn't. It veered off into into this. But the, just the weird animal stuff, like it just continues and it's like a huge pattern. He would dismember. And progressing. Yeah. Like he would dismember dead animals that he found. Like if they were like roadkill or he just like found them out in the woods and he would put their heads on sticks. Oh yeah. No, you can't, you can't say anything about that. There's no yeah. world in which you can make this better. Because Bucket this of bones, I'm yeah. fine. Heads on sticks. Absolutely not. Nope. Cause that should fucking traumatize a child. Like in adulthood, you should go to your ther therapist and be like, that's when I stopped sleeping. When I saw the animal heads on sticks. When I saw it, not when I did it. Right. Like you should have free. Yeah. It's not a thing you do just for fun. Ugh, mm. bleh. There's nothing. There's nothing that I can say. I've been trying. I've been really trying, Jeffrey, to make everything, every crazy thing you've been doing better, but you, you got me here. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, this is when I, I just... This is when you take them to see somebody. Yeah. yeah. And you maybe start figuring out how you can healthy love and support in a way that doesn't encourage heads on sticks. Yeah. And I think he did hide a lot of this from his family. So they weren't totally aware of like the extent but other people were like a neighbor of his from when he was young named eric tyson actually says quote he had a little graveyard with animals buried in it there were skulls placed on top of little crosses he had quite a collection of skeletons so he's definitely killing animals at this point neighborhood cats and dogs are inexplicably missing at this point though he's just it's like when he's he's finding them but he is okay he's dismembering them and cutting them open. Like they've just, they've just died. He's like cutting their heads off and putting them on sticks. I feel like I'm glad that I don't understand. Cause I don't understand. I don't understand either. That's not something that would be fun for me. I never even, I wouldn't <laughs> even hurt not. like an insect when I was a kid. So he also began abusing alcohol as a preteen. So, wow yeah like very very early classmates said he would smuggle beer and just all kinds of hard liquor into school and he would drink in class like just be sitting there in class with like a cup with like scotch in it and one former <sighs> classmate said like she asked him about it one day and was like jeff like what what are you drinking and he just it's my medicine I need my medicine. <laughs> I did teach myself how to like scotch. I do now, you know, and it, it was a worthy pursuit for me. However, as a preteen, there's not a chance in hell. Mm -mm. That's my medicine. Yeah. I wonder where you learned that one. It's very strange. Yeah. And you would like, you would think a dude like him would be like a super, like a stereotypical loner in school. Yeah. 
but he was not. His classmates oh. actually describe him and like remember him as the class clown. He liked pulling pranks and he did like, I mean, it's kind of funny, like shit, like he would sneak into yearbook photos that he wasn't supposed to be in. <laughs> that is funny. I like that. <laughs> like, right? Like, I think it's funny. I would laugh at that kid. I still, I just did. Like he's in the photo for the National Honor Society in the yearbook and he was not in the National Honor Society. <laughs> That's because he was drunk. Probably. He didn't care. He's going into all the pictures. Yeah. But then he Sign also did- up for chess club. Right? His face <laughs> is actually blacked out in the photo now. Like they, it's blacked out. Yeah. But then, I don't know, like he also did weird shit like to shock and scare people. Like he would yell out just at randomly and he would like pretend to have epileptic fits. Oh. Just to like freak people out. Like that was the sole purpose, just to freak people out. Huh. Yeah. He's like experimenting. Yeah. Is he described as charismatic? No. Not really. Not really. Like his his he was a senior prom date said like he barely talked to me really oh like he didn't even kiss me goodnight oh yeah so he's he's like a bunch of different things like yeah. of, like stereotypes of like kids and students it's like he's yeah. kind of the weird loner that's like why is that kid obsessed with death but then also he's super funny and kind of like a dick like it's it's strange it's, it's it's strange but like i find it super interesting and listening to him speak, like in the interviews after he got caught, like it's not, he's not creepy to listen to because he's so charismatic. He's creepy to listen to because he seems so normal and no. just, is, and is just very like, yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a reason for why I am the way that I am. Like other people, they blame it on their upbringing or pornography or anything. He's like, I, it's just me. I have no other excuse other than it's just me. Like it's, it's very, you have Ooh, to watch that kind of made me, gave me a little bit of chills. So even though he was a drunk comedian person in, <laughs> in high school, he was still like super obsessed with the insides of things. And a classmate of Jeffrey's says in, in an interview with the plane dealer that Jeffrey would collect stuffed rabbits, like taxidermy rabbits owls and birds and then this classmate asked jeffrey like do you like taxidermy like what's this like, is what's, your thing like what's the deal with all this stuff and he said no a quote i've always just wanted to do this to a human oh no nope Ah, mm-hmm. uh, no thank you could you imagine being that kid mm-hmm nope i would want i would ask my parents if we could move <laughs> do we need to report this to the police like that's a problem mm-hmm. yeah oh i'm uncomfortable in his 1994 interview he's asked by stone phillips when these violent and sexual fantasies kind of started and he says around age 14 and here is the clip of his answer because i feel like you should hear it in his creepy voice I think it was around age 14 or 15, started have, having obsessive uh, thoughts of, of uh, violence uh, intermingled with sex. And it just got worse and worse. Uh, I didn't know how to tell anyone about it, so I didn't. 
I just kept it all inside. Yeah. Well, and then if all of the thoughts are kind of coming about at the same time, you're trying to sort your way through, you know, what's okay, what's not okay. How am I like, why is this showing up? Is any of this natural? Should I be, shouldn't I be? And and he also did some and it's like all over the place and you've already had this obsession with death for years. Yeah. And he also didn't have like a supportive family. Yeah. Not one that he could talk to. It doesn't sound like yeah so like back to the family dynamic jeffrey describes his childhood as quote filled with extreme tension between his parents and his parents marriage like was breaking down and eventually they would get divorced and it was not like amicable it was super bitter it was awful like they were officially divorced on july 24th 1978 but both cited extreme cruelty and gross neglect of duty for the reason of this divorce yeah oh so it was not a comfortable household to be in by any stretch no and according to an article in the la times joyce Stommer called the police to report like a shouting and shoving match with lionel but like no charges ever happened and then a woman whose son would like play with jeffrey when they were kids said about the parents' divorce, quote, at times, I at the time I knew him, there was something devastating going on in his life and there wasn't anyone there to help him. I feel bad about that. Oh, See? and that was, so how, oh, Jeffy. <laughs> what, how, what year did they divorce in officially? 78. So he was 18? Yeah. But oh, okay. like so, that, so like he was old enough, but I mean, it was, but it had been going on for it had some been time going on for a long time. Yeah. And during, and so like, if the if, parents are embroiled in their own shit mm-hmm. and he's trying to figure out his way through all of his thoughts and feelings. Yeah. There's no way you're totally no. right. He can't talk to them. Like there is no yeah. support there for him. And also all of this stuff that was like seen as, a, as great, and like praised and is like a thing to be fostered when he was little of like, yeah, totally. Let's bleach this connective tissue and these bones and like preserve them in formaldehyde jars. That's super cool. And now he's just like, I want to do it to people, but that's wrong. And he just like, can't talk to anybody about it. Yeah. And so during all of this, like fucked up family turmoil, Jeffrey was actually left alone like just fucking abandoned his mother moved and took the younger brother David with her and his father had left the house and Jeffrey was left literally by himself with no food, no money and a broken fridge. Like he was just abandoned. What the hell? Where does dad go? He like, eventually he like, he moves in with another woman, but he had just like peaced out. Like he was, I think he was staying actually in like a, like a rented motel room. But just like nobody fucking cared about this kid. Nobody oh. cared. Well, and he was just really ultimately left alone for his whole life. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's very sad. See, like it makes you go, oh, Je- little Jeffy, even though he's 18, but like, uh. yeah, but it sucks to be alone all the time. Yeah. And like 18 years of that, and when you need somebody and you need support and you're trying to figure your shit out and like, that's sad. That is sad. Yeah. I mean, not eating people sad, but sad, sad, you know? Right. Like you feel bad. You feel bad for him. Like his whole yeah. upbringing, you just like it, you feel bad for him. Jeffrey took this opportunity to commit his first murder fresh off graduating from high school. 
Like he was super young. No kidding. Yeah. And he actually, so I'll like backtrack for a second. He actually at 16 tried to commit his first murder, but it was unsuccessful. He had like become kind of obsessed with a male jogger in the neighborhood and he would like hide in bushes and like watch him. And then one day he finally decided like, okay, I'm going to attack this guy. And that was the, like this guy had gone running for months every single day. And this was the one day that he didn't go running. Holy, the Mm -hmm. universe was telling him not today. Today is not the day to run. Yeah. So he, he must've admitted that later on. Yeah. Oh, and there's nothing like, there's just that story, but there's nothing about like who this man is. Like, could you imagine having that in your brain of like, I was almost Jeffrey Dahmer's first victim, but I decided to skip that day. And then you buy a treadmill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you never leave your house again. This fits squarely into spooky season for me. Yep. You're gonna so I went fun. for a run today. I'm not going. <laughs> I was gonna say you're gonna have so much fun on your run tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm skipping. I'm not going. <laughs> uh, yeah. So with that not working out, in he's 16. June, so he waits two years. His yeah. failed attempt. He doesn't like go out the next day to catch Mr. Nope. Jogger. That was it. Nope. Whew, lucky guy. I know. So June 1978. Jeffrey picks up a hitchhiker, which uh, in, in, in interviews, he says that he had fantasies of picking up hitchhikers. So he decided to turn this into reality. He picked up a man named Stephen Hicks, who was just trying to find a ride to a rock concert. Fair enough. We've all been there. I know. <laughs> so Jeff takes Stephen back to his parents' house, the one he had been abandoned in. They drink, like, all the drinks, all the many, many drinks. They have sex. But then Steven's like, yeah, okay, cool, fun time, bro. I got to go now. And this is, like, where it turns bad because Jeffrey really doesn't like it when people try to leave him. Fair enough. He's been left his whole life. I would be triggered as well. Yeah. So Steven tries to leave, and Jeffrey's like, nope, not today, sir, and hits him in the head with a dumbbell and then strangles him with said dumbbell. Ooh. Interesting tool. Yeah, right? That's not nothing that, nope, I would think of. No. To strangle someone with a dumbbell, that like takes a lot of strength. Yeah. Yeah. So this is disturbing, disturbing content warning. Oh Um, man, now you're warning us. Yeah, (laughs) because it's bad. So after he kills him, he strips his body of clothes and masturbates over his dead body. And then Jeffrey takes a little sleep, just a tiny snooze. But then he wakes up and proceeds to dismember his body and then bury him in the backyard of his parents' house. However, I'm not done. He later decides that like, maybe this was a bad life choice and like, maybe the body might get found in the backyard of his parents' house. So he digs up Steven's body so that he can crush up the bones with a sledgehammer and scatter them about the woods. And he also dissolves all the skin and tissue in acid and flushes it down the toilet. 
Like it's terrible for the plumbing. Mm-hmm. That was murder number one. That's a big, big murder. Mm-hmm. It's a doozy. I can imagine why he needed the nap. That's a lot of effort. How many days between burying the body and then digging it back up and all this extra effort he put in? Like a couple weeks. So he waited for that body oh. to get nice and gross. And then he dug Ooh. it back up. Well, yeah. he likes that shit mm-hmm. anyways. Oh, wow. That is a hell of a first murder. Right? Yeah. You said this is a three-parter and we're already into it. Because there's actually, there's quite a bit of time now between murders. Like the this first murder is just in his, in the first episode because it's part of like, He's a child, so he's only 18. He's still, yeah. He's still young. Well, that's because he used up all of his energy. He needs years to add add some back in. Which I also find super interesting is that he took such a long break. Well, he was already, it must have settled on him, like, because for him to wait and then feel some level of fear that he was going to get caught and go through the extra effort of trying to cover it up. Mm Mm-hmm means that it was on his mind yeah and so i wonder if that didn't kind of carry over and dissuade him from more Mm -hmm. murders so even with his newfound hobby of killing and dismembering people jeffrey managed to get into ohio state university well he's probably very gifted in biology however he didn't make it past the first semester because he was drunk all the time and he failed Because he's been drinking like a 90, like a 90 year old grandpa since he was like 13. Wow. His drinking, like it was a huge issue. Like it really consumed him. And so his father said, well, like you have to do something. Like if you're not going to university, like do something, join the military. So that's what he did. He enlisted in the army. And in 1978, like late December, to be specific, is when he enlisted. And then he was sent over to Germany. That's quick. So he has his, his parents get divorced. He murders. Mm -hmm. He starts school. He fails out. He goes to Germany. Yeah. He enlists in the military and goes to Germany. That happens all really quickly. Yeah. Cause he only, he didn't even make it a semester into university. Like it was a quarter way through this first semester. And he was just like. Drunk it takes on a the lot sidewalk. to fail out that early. He was just drunk on the sidewalk like all the time. <laughs> Doesn't even make it to class. Nope. Whoa. And so get this. While he was based in Germany, he was a combat medic. Because I would totally want Jeffrey fucking Dahmer looking after my wounds that I sustained in war. I feel like he wouldn't do much to help me out. Like, no, thank you. I just find it so weird that he was like sent over there to help people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does. It feels very, very twisted. Yeah. Yeah. It's the worst. It's just this gross. story is. This is wild. And so I actually, in 2010, a soldier came forward saying that over he was stationed in Germany with Jeffrey Dahmer and over like a 17th month period, Jeffrey like raped him like every day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Was he a big guy? Yeah. Like super 
he's like six foot one and like jacked. Oh. Like he's a big, oh. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Like a, a large human that like would be hard to get away from. Yeah. Yeah. And is able to strangle somebody with a dumbbell and repeatedly yeah. rape another, a fellow army man. Yeah. But it was never really brought up because he said in an interview, stigma. there was a documentary, documentary I watched, I think it was called Dahmer on Dahmer. And he says like, would you have wanted that out in your unit? Like, no. Yeah, no, for sure. So I can see that for so many yeah. reasons, right? Yeah. And so in March of 1981, Jeffrey was discharged from the army due to his drinking. Like boozing all along. Oh yeah. Like people said that he would just like sit in the barracks and drink drinks. And he had a whole bag with like muddlers and stirrers and shakers and flasks. Like he has more freaking drinking tools than I do. I was just going to say, we've talked about needing more and he has an abundance. He just brought it all with him and would just like make cocktails and drink in the barracks. (laughs) His cocktail kit, his army cocktail kit. Yep. Wild. Yep. So it was like the alcohol is causing like a serious issue in his life. Continuing to cause an issue. Yeah. And so at this point though, he's pretty scared to like go home and tell his dad that he got kicked out of something like again. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, when he first returned, returned home, he lived with Lionel and Sherry, but like he was drinking a ton and he ended up being arrested for being publicly drunk in early October, 1981. His father tried to get him sober, but like it didn't work. Well, that's a lot of years of drinking that you're trying to mm-hmm. overcome. And without the support yeah. of like a facility or a doctor, that's yeah. got to be dangerous. Yeah. I would think, especially that significant abuse, amount yeah. of abuse. So yeah, say like he was born in 1960. So he started drinking at like 13. It's 1973. It's now 81. 81. Like that's almost 10 years of like hard drinking. Yeah. Like where you're blacking out and can't even function. Yeah. And where you feel like like it's okay to murder and dismember and masturbate and all of these things. (laughs) (laughs) So clearly the solution to this, when you can't help your drunk son get sober, send the son to grandma's house. She's the one for the task. Is she like one of those terrifying, like hit you over the head with a frying pan? Cause we like that in drunk crime. Like, is she that kind <laughs> of grandma? Nope. Oh, nope. Like sweet lady. Oh no. And so like, from what I read, things were actually going super well at the beginning. Oh. Like he was helping her out. And like helping around the house and was like super nice. But things like took a turn in August of 1982 when he exposed himself to a crowd of people, just a crowd of families trying to enjoy the park. And Jeffrey's like, here's my dick. <laughs> well, I cannot. Okay. Because he was drunk off the ass. But For still. sure. Like you hear stories like this and Outside of thinking about what would compel me to expose myself in a group full of people, which I still have not come up with, but like thinking about being one of those families there witnessing this, I'd be like, is this for real? Right. 
I just don't even know what I would do with that. Well, hide, hide your kids' eyes. Hide your own eyes. Hide everybody's eyes. Just trying to enjoy the park and like the fair, and Jeffrey's just like whipping out his dick in front of these poor families. Joel, Joel would not stand for it. See, I would be like, uh, we're just going to go a different direction entirely and maybe leave the park forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And so he was arrested, but he was only fined. Yeah. And so all of this drinking costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So in 1985, Jeffrey gets a job at working the graveyard shift at the Ambrosia Chocolate Company. Ew. No. Um, take that back. Say something that I don't like to eat, like liver or something. No, that's twisted. That I don't like that connection I just made. <laughs> don't, I don't no. know what you can say. The slaughterhouse. He's working with Catherine Knight. Like, I don't know. I got I don't know. No, he's nightmare Willy Wonka. <laughs> so it gets even better. So he had the draw the job of mixer. So he literally made all of the chocolate batter that literally created every single chocolate bar that came out of that factory. Nightmare Willy Wonka is such an <laughs> accurate description. Oh my God. It's like a golden ticket that you really don't want to win. I don't know what it is. Like you tell stories that make me so uncomfortable. <laughs> I know people are gonna be like, what is wrong with the brunette one? Can't she just talk about a sting for fuck's sakes? <laughs> you bring the like discomfort and I bring the police coming in for the wing win with a sweet sting. Yeah. It's about balance, listeners. It is. That's why Lindsay and I do things together. <laughs> Because she freaks you out, and then I talk yeah. about stings. <laughs> yeah. I told you you needed a warm hug of a drink to listen to oh, this. It's so true, but it's cooling down. I need to like fill myself up with and like <laughs> free pour more than I already did. Yeah. Okay. So even with his newfound job of chocolatey goodness, he manages oh. to get arrested again. <laughs> okay, I'm done talking about chocolate now. <laughs> Don't ruin this for me. <laughs> So in Milwaukee in 1986, this time he gets arrested for masturbating in public in front of two young boys. Oh, he leveled up his exposure. He did. However, so he gets like arrested and he gets charged, but he like writes a letter to the judge and says like, oh no, I was just like peeing in a bush. And it gets like knocked down to a one year, like probationary sentence. So he didn't go to jail. Was he drunk again? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) wasted <laughs> so it was, a- <laughs> it was around this time as well that jeffrey started actively sleeping with men and he would go to gay clubs and bathhouses to find partners okay and well, normally that piece of yourself in theory see, right? should help like normally i'd be like yes like be who you are yeah. but not uh, like jeffrey fuck right off like just don't just don't be who you are just avoid nope. that at all costs. Yep. Avoid who you are at all costs. And so he liked one of his main fantasies was he liked his sexual partners to like not move. He liked the starfish. Uh, he wanted like he wanted to pretend that his sexual partners were dead. Don't oh, that's the opposite of like every other person on the planet. Right? You know? 
participate. Jeffrey Dahmer's like, don't participate in the closer. If you could make your body cold, that'd be sweet too. Ugh. He wanted them to be warm. Like he liked the warm person, but he wanted them to also be dead. Okay. And not moving. Call me Freud. I'm going to just pretend, picture me as Freud right now. So it's like, <laughs> the whiskey's going to take us down a road here for a second, but it's like his <laughs> mom. So she's like yeah. there and a presence, but also distant and not connected with him. And this is like what he wants in his sex life. If there Whoa. are any <laughs> universities listening right now, I think I deserve a psychology diploma just from that analysis. I think you do. <laughs> I also agree. Oh, and now, now, now that it's settling in what I just said, it's disgusting. Yep. Super the worst, but we're like, we're almost through this part. <sighs> so like, you're almost there. Oh my God. In an interview after he gets caught, he actually says, quote, I trained myself to view people as objects of pleasure instead of people. That's a terrible step to take. You can train yeah. yourself to like scotch. You don't train yourself to see people as objects. Terrible step. So at like the guys that he would find at these clubs and bathhouses, he would drug them. Like he would give them a drink, drug them and like rape them. And so the bathhouse like management or just the place actually finds out what he's doing because he gives one guy too much and like overdoses yep. him. And so they find out what he's doing and is like, can you not? <laughs> That's that? not what we do here. Please stop. So then he was just like, like, can you not fucking drug and rape our patrons, dude? And then he was no longer welcome at the bathhouse. I would so hope so. Yeah. somebody so took this, some good action here yeah but also but now he just needs to find another place to live out this fantasy that he's been living out for well, the i guess that's why bit. he drugs them because then they're kind of yeah. un, unconscious so it's like exactly what he's looking for they're, exactly because then they're comatose yeah okay so now that he's like well how am i supposed to live this out of having sex with comatose people he's like well i have an idea yeah. and i man this is a tough one. He hears on the news or like reads in the paper that there was a funeral for an 18 year old young man. And his idea of reading this, he's like, well, obviously I should dig up the body and have sex with it. That's like what, that's what he got from like reading an obituary. It was like, ah, dead dude. That's kind of the type that I like. Let's dig up his body. I'm happy to report that this is never a reaction that I have ever had to reading an obituary. And also, he has completely abandoned all pretenses of trying to fight against his... Oh, yeah. I don't... What, what do you even call them right now? Like... Like impulses? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like twisted fantasies. Like, yeah. Oh, so Ugh. like he doesn't kill this guy which is sweet but that is an absolute indignity to a human body this horrifying fucking plan doesn't work because it's winter and the ground is frozen so he couldn't <sighs> dig up the body <sighs> so thank god or whatever fucking entity you believe in that that didn't happen oh man so but so then he admitted to yeah. thinking this and trying it 
So he just like doesn't even care. He's like admitting to everything. Oh yeah. He's admitted to all of this. He says all of this in interviews. It's all in books. Like it's all he's admitted hundred percent admitted to doing all of this. And he doesn't and seem so he like tries... the type that would admit it for, well, no, I mean, he was doing things for shock and awe in high school, but obviously if this is all mm-hmm. being reported, like he's not, this isn't something that he's admitting for shock factor just as real. No. And like listening to him talk about it, it's all just very matter of fact. And like, yeah, this is what I did. Like listening to him describe the murders and his victim and like what he did. It's like listening to someone tell a story of going and picking a paper up off their front step. Cut the lawn today. Hmm, I tried to dig up a body that yeah. I read about in an obituary. And so he tries to do, he tries at that time and he tries one other time and it doesn't work because it's fucking winter. And then he just like abandons that plan. Ugh. And so on that horrifying note, with the tear of Jeffrey Dahmer, Dahmer imminent, that is where I leave you. So for this episode place to leave us Lindsay, and i know it doesn't get better because i feel like that's enough horror but it doesn't get any better but like it's a rough that was a rough one and that was episode one see that wasn't even like the meat <laughs> oh that was a bad that was a bad one. <laughs> oh that was bad i feel like this is Whoops. the perfect so listeners out there Lindsay and I talked a while ago about doing she wanted to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer and so we talked about doing this during spooky week of Halloween week and I feel like that was just really genius on our behalf because this is awful mm-hmm. and it fits squarely in Halloween week it does come back on Wednesday if you want <laughs> yeah We'll have a cool Halloween cocktail that'll make you feel better just for a little bit. Make five, make five of them as a start. Yeah. Well, thanks for this. <laughs> You're welcome. Am I? <laughs> nope. I'm super sorry if I ruined chocolate for anyone. I hope you enjoyed part one of Jeffrey Dahmer and that you come back on Wednesday for part two and also don't forget to send us any drink recipes or crimes you'd like us to cover you can find us on Facebook Instagram and TikTok at drunk crime pod our website drunkcrimepod.com, or you can email us at drunkcrimepod at gmail.com also check out our patreon where you can get some sweet extras for signing up that's at patreon.com slash drunk crime pod catch us back here next friday for <laughs> catch us back here next friday on another episode of drunk crime but actually wednesday cheers, cheers.